Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie, and on this episode, we're doing the 15th Best Picture winner, Mrs. Miniver. This 1942 romantic war drama follows a middle-class English family learning to cope with the outbreak of World War II, um, and it's kind of told through a series of vignettes or just like small segments kind of following their adjustment and the way their life changes after England goes to war. I agree with everything except the fact that they're middle class. <laughs> I would say upper middle class. <laughs> Very upper. They're, they yeah. have a staff. So this would have been a contemporary film for the time because uh, pre-production actually started in 1940 and then filming ended in 1941 before Pearl Harbor happened. And then they went back and did some reshoots after Pearl Harbor happened. Interesting. Um, and changed like a couple, like not a lot, but a couple of small things to make it just like a little bit stronger in kind of the us versus them bit and a little bit more propaganda-y like it wasn't fully made as like a propaganda piece but there's definitely like a strong patriotism line which is mm -hmm. pretty common among films especially war films at the time which I don't think is surprising at all not at all and even my copy of the film at the very end said something along the lines of support your country buy your war bonds and stamps <laughs> when you go to the post office so yeah exactly it, it definitely was a period piece to me because I'm, oh, yeah. I'm comparing it to movies like Wings and All Quiet on the Western Front that were very anti-war and yes. this one tended especially with that it ending is. to like glorify well, I, the sacrifice so it is anti but. I would say it is more anti-war than some of the movies you see later in the 40s when mm -hmm. like the U.S. is like fully in it and then even you know World War II movies you see after World War II um, I would say they tend to be a lot more like into like the heroic side. Um, mm -hmm. This one was a little bit more even anti-war than I was kind of expecting given the subject matter. But I think I actually thought about this a lot and kind of what I think the difference between like the World War II movies versus the World War One movies, because I think we have quite like a several World War II movies coming up. Awesome. Um, <laughs> but I think the difference is that, you know, World War II seems a lot more black and white, a lot more good guys versus bad guys, because like, you know, the Nazis were being very blatantly the aggressors. And I think we can all agree the Nazis are bad. And um, the U.S. didn't actually enter the war until attacked. So right. there wasn't the idea of it being a complicated system of political alliances that dragged normal people into a horrible war like there was with World War One. There wasn't the idea that the U.S. got involved in something that they really shouldn't have been involved in because it wasn't their conflict like you do in a lot of World War One movies. And then there isn't kind of the gray area of like the Vietnam era that you see in a lot of Vietnam War movies. So I think that's kind of why you have that difference with World War II movies. Mm -hmm. I can agree with that. Well, and it again, it's that we are now defending ourselves. So we have a very clear... Yeah, because this them. is completely set in the home front. Too. Yeah. That's something that I think thought was very interesting as well, was that this is 100% home front i feel like their choice of placing it in great britain at this time though allowed them to do that because of the air raids that oh well occurred. yeah yeah of and course that was i thought a very effective choice yeah well this is um you know i got a little ahead of myself but going to background like this is based on a book um from 1940 uh okay yeah. 
So, you know, the story was already there. There is actually a sequel to a 1950 called The Men of Her Story that was made. Um, I know nothing about it, but it did include Walter Pigeon and Greer Garson, the uh-huh. two leads as well. Oh, she's so good. I'm glad she came I, back for the sequel. <laughs> I'm so happy you love Greer Garson because I'm a huge Greer Garson fan. Um, and cool. I was wanted you to love her as well. <laughs> I do. Absolutely. So I'm just going to run through what other awards and nominations it received um, and what else was nominated that year, and then we'll just launch into watch notes. Um, so William Wyler won for Best Director. Greer Garson, who plays the title character Mrs. Miniver, won for Best Actress. As she should have. Um, it won for Best Writing in Screenplay. Uh, so Teresa Wright, who played Carol Belden, the daughter-in-law, uh, won for Best Supporting Actress. I agree with both of those. Um, yes. It was a very strong cast it was, in my mind. It was. It won for Best Black and White Cinematography, which I th- I think that was based off of some very key scenes. And the lighting used yes. in those scenes. Yes. Oh my which, goodness. Okay. I think the way we're going to do this one is we're going to kind of talk about those key scenes. Um, and we'll talk a lot, I'm sure, about the cinematography oh, yeah. and the lighting. Uh, Walter Pigeon was nominated for Best Actor. He, of course, plays Mr. Miniver. So Henry Travers, who played Mr. Ballard, the station master, um, who uh, named the rose after Mrs. Miniver, he went. Uh, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. It uh, May Whitty, who played Lady Belden, uh, mm-hmm. Carol's aristocratic aunt, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. It was also nominated for Best Special Effects, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound Recording. Oh, I am here for every single one of those awards yeah, with this movie. Yeah, I think movie. I think they are all strong nominations. Um, and it was actually just last quick bit of trivia on this movie. Um, the second film to receive nominations in all four acting categories. The first was My Man Godfrey in 1936. Awesome. Yeah, I am very pleased that Greer Garson and Teresa Wright won. They deserved it by a oh, well. Yeah. I. I say that without having seen the other films yeah. that were nominated. Yeah, I was but... going to say, I actually have not seen a ton from this year. So the other nominations, speaking of which, were uh, 49th Parallel, King's Row, The Magnificent Ambersons, The Pied Piper, The Pride of the Yankees, which Teresa Wright was actually also in. Um, and she, if I remember correctly, I think she might have been nominated for Best Actress for that. So she's just a badass, is yeah, what you're she's saying. Just, she had a killer year. <laughs> um, Random Harvest, The Talk of the Town, Wake Island, and Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee so, Doodle Winter. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's a musical, it's a musical about uh, Cohen. Oh, yeah. interesting. Starring James Cagney. Um, but yeah, I have actually, the only one I think I've seen from that is Pride of the Yankees, okay. which is fine. But not, not really my kind of movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess we want to launch right into watch notes. Yeah. So I like the opening scene. Um, we have Mrs. Miniver K in the city. I don't know that they ever told us what city it was in. I presume I it's probably like London. London. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's hustling and bustling and she's going and getting her shopping and she like gets the special hat and is like, oh. She I... did the thing that I always do where it's like you see the thing and you want it and then you're like, mm-hmm. no, 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 I don't need to spend the money on that. And then you can't stop thinking about <laughs> it. So you go back later and get it. But what I really loved at the end of that scene is she's on the train headed back to their village mm-hmm. and she's talking to the vicar from the town and he's talking about Mr. Miniver and like, oh, what what things does he like to do? Does he like cigars? And then she says this beautiful line about him, Mr. Miniver having a very expensive wife I think was the line that went yeah. there but this scene I found very important because you're starting to kind of get an idea of how 
they think of their relationship to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, and you get and an it's idea. Setting the scene for a really awesome yes. meeting of those two yes. in just a couple. Well, you minutes. get the idea of their relationship, but you also get an idea of kind of what their life is like and what yeah. are the things that they think about and that they talk about. Um, because that's going to change drastically with the war. I do have to say the like whole opening bit up until the war, I thought was like a little bit slow paced. There was mm-hmm. a little bit of extraneous dialogue for me. Well, and honestly, that whole opening scene in the city, I, it was there only so that she could buy the hat. Yeah. Which like, I kind of, I understood eh. the function. I understood the function of everything leading up to the outbreak of the war, mm-hmm. but it wasn't my favorite. Yeah. It was well shot, and I enjoyed the way that they were able to start that opening shot, where it's just a hustle and bustle of people, and how they managed to get you to track to just Kay Miniver Mm -hmm. as she's walking through the crowd was beautiful, because there is this chaos, and then all of a sudden there's order to it, and you're like, ah, there she is. There's the character I need to focus on. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a very masterfully shot scene, and choreographed probably with all the extras. Yeah. So, um but she ends up getting home and then we get another similar scene with Mr. Miniver. Well, we also get introduced to the kids oh. at the dinner table. And I just wanted to talk about this conversation because this movie, it's funny. Like, it is. I, I cried it. and I laughed like multiple times in this movie, um, which was something kind of like fun. And like, again, it was something that I wasn't fully expecting from a war movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think kind of is the key with this movie uh, is that it definitely it surprised me in some ways. Yeah, which I feel like is kind of hard to do considering that I have watched a lot of movies. I have watched a lot of movies, particularly from that era, and I have watched a lot of war movies. Yeah. So I I think I've gotten fairly good at predicting sort of like plot lines and character arcs, and this movie actually like threw me a bit a couple of times, which was like a fun experience. Yeah. Went down really well. Yeah, I, I don't know, yeah. but the scene that I really love too is where Mr. Miniver is buying a car, and yes. he, he ends up buying it even though he has some reservations on how expensive it's well, going to be. He's like, "Don't tell my wife how expensive this was." Exactly. Yeah. But then after the kids are asleep and Mr. and Mrs. Miniver at the dinner table eating or supper, I don't, yeah. there's probably a difference between dinner and supper at this point since I they're don't, I don't know. a little hoity-toity. But <laughs> he's like weaving this circuitous route to get to the car. He's like, oh yeah, I got a flat in the car today. And she's like, well, just get a tire. It can't be, he's you like- know, as expensive as a hat. Yeah, well, it's the idea that they're both kind of like trying to set up a way to tell each other about their like expensive purchases that they probably shouldn't have made, but like make it be valid. Like they're both yes. trying to justify the purchase to each other, which I kind of liked because at the beginning, I mean, like, you know, it's a 40s movie. Mm-hmm. And when she's like, oh, he just has an expensive wife. And she's like, he's going to be so mad at me for how expensive this hat was. I was like, okay, it's that again. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, you see it in a lot of 40 movie, 40s movies. It's very of the era and of the time period. But I liked that you had both people trying to do it. Like it felt very modern. Yes. And the way they played the dialogue played off the two characters because mm-hmm. like I said the tire can't cost more than say a hat and then he's, he's like, like why, why do you hat? say a hat she's like oh, I could have said like a coat or boots like hat's just the thir- first thing I thought of like I their relationship throughout the whole thing was I was great. a huge fan of well and they treated each other very much in a modern sense like as equals in that relationship yeah and they're like we are both minus some comments yeah there, but... there were a couple comments and stuff um but like the way they acted towards each other and about like the decisions of the household 
there was like a, a level of equality there that you don't see from a ton of films of that time. Yeah. Or at least that I've seen. Um, but I just wanted to circle back really quick to that conversation with the two kids. Cause those two yeah. kids are so funny, especially the youngest one. And I just like the part where, um, one of them tells the younger son, Toby, that he's going through a phase and he goes, what's a phase? And his sister just goes, Oh, it's a thing people go through. And he was like, am <laughs> I going through a phase? And the mom was like, yes. And he's so excited when he realizes <laughs> it, that, uh, Both of they those were good kids, actors. They were, they were good actors and they cracked me up. And that scene too, we already kind of got an idea of how well-regarded Miss Miniver is on like her trip back from mm-hmm. the city, which we skipped over this wonderful oh, scene yes. with the station manager, uh, sorry, station master, where he has like cultivated a rose and decides to name it after yeah. Mrs. Miniver. Though I have to say, honestly, I could have done away with the rose subplot. I Because yeah. later he enters it in like a gardening contest that like lady belden has won for all of these years and it's this whole thing i like i just didn't need it i know like they they had it because he later dies and they want you to be sad about that and it'd be like this is the cost of war like you know this precious old man like our neighbors like it's not just troops like we're losing our neighbors we're losing our family so like they needed you to care about him but i just I, i also think that was needed though for lady Belden to actually show a full character arc of I honestly, her changing. But I don't think I needed a full character arc from her. I mean, we didn't need it, but it did or feel I like they need needed to, more. Of I like, didn't this need is to war see, bringing people together. Yeah, or I didn't need <laughs> to see so much of it. I don't know. I there's just some stuff around the rose plot line subplot and like the lady like Lady Belden as a character that mm-hmm. I was just like it it didn't fully click for me. And I was like, I think this could have been changed and made mm-hmm. better. I'll also say those rose props were horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> when you got the close up at the end, I'm like, that's plastic. And it's evident it's plastic. Yeah. You couldn't have found two roses. Especially since it was the idea that they're like the best rose grown this year. And I was like, but it was already in a vase. Yeah. I it, was like, huh. It's fine. Yeah. We don't have to go deep into that, but no. So we're introduced to me- like well, most guess, of the family. I guess this we- is also I, one thing I will say about the rose supply. Oh, yeah. It also is a way to introduce Carol Belden and to set up the conflict between her and the eldest son because the eldest yeah. son comes home from school, which not a fan of his acting. He was kind of stiff. It didn't feel as natural as a lot of the other characters. Well, and I don't think he could match Carol Belden's performance. You mean Teresa Wright as, yeah, yeah. Teresa Wright Teresa as Carol as Belden. Carol yeah. Belden. Cause uh, like if we want to go, so Vincent, their one son comes home, they're on their back patio. Yeah. Carol Belden comes the over to basically ask Mrs. Miniver if she can get uh, Mr. Ballard to withdraw his rose from the contest because it means so much to her aunt and stuff, which I kind of was like, like gut like stuff like why do you care like because uh, she loves her grandmother but like why would you ask some but like to ask someone to do that i don't know i was just kind of like i was like carol this is well but she did have some level thing. of contrition well, after I, it i then i then liked her because <laughs> i like the way she handles the son because oh, vincent or vin ass. as they call him he i liked with this conflict that you could tell that they were both intelligent people and they both had valid points but he comes kind of comes in the gate super hot with mm-hmm. like um his not liking the aristocracy which you know 
the end of World War II is when you see the British Labor Party come into power. Mm-hmm. So like you're in the middle still of some of that social upheaval that had started going on in the 20s yeah. and kind of finally ends in the 40s. And you see like kind of the big transition between the Edwardian Victorian UK, or I guess, I don't know if it was the UK at the time, but Britain and mm-hmm. then um, modern Britain. So you're kind of at the sort of near the tail end of some of that. So, you know, yeah. he comes in, he's talking about the aristocracy and he kind of like goes at Carol about like, oh, so like we're all supposed to just like... Do what you say. Yeah, like the serfs and like all that stuff. And Carol kind of comes back at him and is like, okay, so I agree with you. You're a lot of talk. What have you been doing? And she's like, I'm down in the city helping the homeless. Yeah, she's like, I help with housing projects and stuff like that. And then, of course, he fires back, which I think was also a valid point with like, okay, so she says like, I do that every summer. Yeah. And he's like, okay, so you spend six weeks doing that and then you get to feel good about yourself because you've like made your contribution. Meanwhile, the rest of the time you're, you know, super comfy in your aristocracy. Wallowing in comfort. I yeah, think I think he says he wallowing, wallowing in luxury. Oh, I that's think is it. what it yep. was. Um, which is a valid point. But then of course she comes back with another valid point that's like, one, I don't wallow. But two, <laughs> I'm still actually doing something. So we've talked about what I'm doing. What is it you are doing? And then he's... Basically, basically, she's like, you're all talk. Right. And she, my note here is like, no, Miss Belden, don't apologize. You were everything in that scene. Like, put him in his place. And the Minivers, the parents, they, uh, they are all about it. They like it. And I like that they, they see that there's some chemistry there originally, because I think Mm -hmm. the line is, uh, Mrs. Miniver is like, give him like a couple weeks. He'll come around. Cause he's like, (laughs) I hate her. It didn't even take a couple weeks. No, she was like, I should have said a couple hours. Because we then cut into this party, mm-hmm. and this is where we get to see Vin and um, Carol Carol interact a bit. They basically, and, they both apologize to each other, where yep. they're like, we both came in a little hot on that one. Like, mm-hmm. I think that was what he said exactly. Yeah, they're, but they're both, they're both kind of like, I stand by what I said, but I also acknowledge that the stuff you said was correct, and like... Yeah, he, we he does have some way. lines there, though, like, you were really fat that I'm like, that is that really a compliment right now? <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's or of he's, the ta- period. he's talking about how when they were kids, he like always knew who, like, he knew who she was, but they had never really formally met and how he like always like kind of had a thing for her. And yeah, he mm-hmm. makes the comment about like, you were really fat as a kid, which is like, Legs like what? sausages. I could. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they obviously like, their relationship's on track now, and... Yeah. Um, we get another really nice little vignette between yeah. those two in the church as well, because th- this is I just really before the war. Scene. I did, yeah. too. So the very last people in are Grandma Belden and Carol Belden, mm-hmm. her granddaughter, and they come in, they sit down, and you catch Vin, like, given eyes. Throughout the whole service, they're, like, kind of leaning forwards and, like, looking at one another. And, like, meanwhile, like, they're both getting the stink eye from their parents or, like, their aunt being, yes. like, uh, pay attention to the service. But they won't. They're but just... Greer's performance here as Kay Miniver was great because yeah. you could kind of see this amusement on her face. Her <laughs> facial expressions the entire time, everything. Everything she did, almost everything completely in facial expressions, and yes. I was all about it during this service. Um, someone I actually really like the way this was done. So, the yes. preacher has started his sermon, and then someone comes in and informs him that Britain's at war. Mm-hmm. And of course, the mood completely changes 
Um, I loved that the priest in this particular scene was like, you have better things to do than sit here. Go, yeah. we bless you. But then they all sang a hint. I don't know. I was like, I was like, at first I was like, oh, I like that he's doing that and like mm-hmm. ending the service and being like, I recognize that you all have like stuff and obligations you have mm-hmm. to do now and like things that you need other yeah. than this. But then they all stood there and sang a hymn. And I was like, wait, did he not end the service? <laughs> they sang very well too. I was oh, like, that's the best oh, congregation I've heard. the music. It, I hated the music so much, especially considering How Green Was My Valley was the one before this, mm-hmm. and the music in How Green Was My Valley was so good. At the very end, and I the disagree. singing was so much better. Oh, I was like, why do my ears have to hear this? <laughs> Every time they It was on it. theme. We'll get there in a second, because I really want to talk about the end scene. Okay. No, it was on theme, but I, it was very not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. It's of the period. I also, so basically, um, after kind of that church service, there is that dinner scene where Vin announces that he's going to join the RAF because the maid's boyfriend is like going off and she's going to see him off. And this scene was so funny too, where like- I'm going to give you a sweat sticker. (laughs) Did you get that part? No. The maid was talking about uh, Harvey was, or Horace. Horace, Horace. And- Her boyfriend. Yes. Was saying that, oh, I'm good with a bayonet. I'm going to give him a sweat sticker. And this maid is completely- off because it's supposed to be swastika and she's just like totally over her head no i didn't hear that was hilarious i was probably too busy laughing because (laughs) the maid is like so scattered because she's worried about her husband and they're being like so nice about it like they're just like kind of trying to like help her as she will like put down a plate of food and then go do something else and immediately come back and take the plate of uneaten food and just like they're like okay gave me a heart attack um and they you know of course Horace comes by to say goodbye Mm -hmm. and they're like, Oh yeah, no, bring Horace in. Everyone's like super nice to Horace. And then of course they're like, you should go with him to the station. Like go, we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and then kind of after they leave, basically Vin makes an announcement not really an announcement. He just kind of says it. It's like almost offhanded, but it's, it's just like... It's an bleak comment about like, he's oh, like, it would be I good would... to do, do something. No, he says he's basically says he's going to join the RAF. He's like, I always thought the RAF would be more suited for me. I think maybe the, the youngest son may, might ask if mm-hmm. he's going to go to war or if he's going to join Horace and like, I mean, the, youngest the army. Son always asks very, very well-timed questions. Yes, I love it. It's always good. Um, but the but, look that... Uh, Kay gives well, her son. The look Kay gives her son, and then the look Glenn, Mr. Miniver, gives mm-hmm. Kay. And the way they react every single time that something happened like this, I loved the way they reacted because it was so realistic to me. Yeah. It wasn't tears, it wasn't falling apart, it wasn't like a huge reaction. They would both get kind of very still, and you could see it in their eyes and their face that it was like a very controlled emotional response. Yes. And I loved that. And it's, I think, very appropriate for like that like British attitude, from, especially from like World War II and like mm-hmm. the Blitz that like is. We all have to make sacrifices. Famous. So. But keep calm and carry on. Exactly. Yeah. And their reactions too actually made me think a little bit of how the father in How Green Was My Valley reacted to his youngest son's decision to go in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. Like that was well pulled off, but you, he still had more of this like visceral reaction mm-hmm. to it. Here you see them. Well, they don't stop him either because I think, you know, it's the attitude that like they kind of probably knew it was coming. Right. They they knew he was going to end up in the army Mm -hmm. at some point, but they're, they're still afraid. They still don't like it. And I, I just, 
that was the first time that I would think, you know, that church scene and that scene was kind of when I was like, okay, I'm in this now. Mm-hmm. Because before that, like I was watching it and I was like, yeah, this is fine. But like when all of that started going down, yet. yeah. When, and like, but when I started getting to see like those reactions, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in this, like I'm on board. Yeah. It was, no, that part I really, really liked. And not going to lie, this part too, I was worried that we were going to devolve into a cavalcade moment where like everybody dies. So I'm really glad that it did not go down that route. But I did have that thought in the back of my head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the husband's gonna, going to war. I was going to say, we probably going. should have been like massive spoilers, but I think everyone who listens should know by now, like... There are spoilers for all of these movies in every episode we do. Yeah. So sorry if I spoiled it. Should have watched yeah, the it only first. Thing, the only reason I'm saying this is because that something happened that like really kind of like took me by surprise. It's it did. Like, it's not like a we'll get to that thing, but we'll have to build yeah. some suspense first. <laughs> um, but I think we can jump next to the proposal. Um, there was actually a scene with Grandma Belden that I did want to talk about, and this is when. Uh, before the proposal, oh, it's yeah. when Vin comes to call on Carol and they're like, we've only seen each other three times and all of this stuff. This she is was, after she she's was been previously away. away in Scotland yeah. for a few weeks, came back early and he got to write her the whole time. Mm-hmm. And she never responded apparently, no. but her excuse was, I didn't know how. <laughs> yeah. That was just so adorable. Their relationship was very cute. Mm-hmm. And they like steal this kind of. A covert kiss really quickly mm-hmm. and then we get the grandma in the room yeah and she starts going on her tirade about how there should be a strict social structure and well, how and because, war is giving these well people... they're in the middle of the blackout regulations right so what that was was basically at nighttime because remember we're in the middle of the blitz so london's getting the bulk of it but also anywhere with heavy industrial areas mm-hmm. are getting the bulk of it or an I mean, airfield there's a comment near... later about like an air the airfield nearby or like the county hospital nearby so mm-hmm. you know they're in an area that there might be targets but i'm pretty sure that these regulations were like countrywide but um yeah you could not show a light at night like no headlights on cars or they had to be like hooded. Mm-hmm. Um, you could not have lights showing from your house. They make the comment about even someone lighting up a cigarette on a dark road. Like which there was a scene later on. I know where he, I was like, are you, it was a pipe though. Mr. And Miniver it was lights upside a down pipe. though. Did you see notice he had it upside down? I did not. I love yeah. that. Oh, it details. was really cool. So good. But when he started to go and he's like, I need to smoke. I was like, don't light a cigarette because I was so worried he was going <laughs> to light a cigarette and then die. But no, he was fine. That, yeah. that was a good detail there. Yeah. Um, um but, but yeah, you had people walking around basically like enforcing the regulations, right. like, and that's what she's talking about, where, where she's like, it's giving people these ideas of like above their station and like, right. that they have authority. But she gets cut off by the air raid siren. Yeah. And I loved that because for me, that was the moment where it was very clear that war doesn't give a damn who you are. Basically, like, you know, the way of life you previously had is cut off too. Like, yeah. So it was, it was really great. And the grandma is like not wanting to go in the cellar, but is finally convinced by Carol to go. Yeah. After Vin's basically like, get everyone in the cellar. I have to call my parents. Yeah. So I, that scene with the cellar specifically Mm -hmm. has a tie in later on that I really liked. So I did want to highlight that, but But now we go to the proposal. I want to jump to the proposal scene because it's (laughs) again, very cute. And again, very funny. Oh, I loved this. Where and the youngest son was... The younger like a... son is basically like, Vin, are you going to marry Carol? <laughs> and he's like, 
I don't have the courage. I'm not brave enough. Yeah, which I thought was a cute response where he was like, just between you and me. Because mm-hmm. they're all at the dinner table. This is going on. Carol's there too. And he's exactly. Like, just between you and me, I haven't had the courage to ask her. And then I like, I love Carol's response too, where she's just like, you're going to ask, ask me? Ask me if I'm going to marry Ben. <laughs> and then he does. And she's like, well, I'd say yes if he asked me. So like, I, it I thought was that was so really sweet. cute. And, um, <laughs> Then the Julie, is it Julie or Julia? Anyway, the daughter's like, mm-hmm. he's not going to ask her now because it wouldn't be romantic. <laughs> and then, of course, he does ask her, and it's really sweet. I will say, though, that youngest son needed to stop beating every damn thing on that table because it was grating. <laughs> he was like celebrating, I knocking loved, everything. Like, no, no, no. Loved Toby. It was, <laughs> oh my God, that kid was so precious. But yeah, so they get married and then of course that leads to conflict with Lady Belden Mm -hmm. um, later on that they have to address where basically she doesn't want them to get married because she's like, they're too young. And Gergarson's like, are they too young or are you just a snob? Well, and that was another thing where we really got to see Kay's intellect coming through i wanted her to be a little bit less like fawning though like i thought she was a little too submissive i didn't think it was fawning at all because of the content of what she was saying because she was talking i liked that but i wanted it just to be a little bit harder so but she's so sweet (laughs) i wanted her to be a little less sweet in that scene because it wasn't like it was a little too sweet like it just Mm -hmm. a little too much because greer garson also in a couple years before this was in pride and prejudice as Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, which I love, and the way she tells off Lady Catherine de Bourgh, and that one, I'm like, yes. So I wanted, wanted a little bit again. more of Dagger Garson, um, but I'll take this one. I really liked it, though, because she was like, I read this book and learned all about your family. Yeah, and, and like, weren't you married at like 16? 16, and they're <laughs> older than that. So that that was masterful. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, though, like, I, the scene wasn't great to me. Like, I wanted a little bit of a harder edge from Kay. I didn't want the aunt to like fold so fast like she came around so fast and then in the end she was like fine it's not their age it's just because I got married and then my husband died and I don't want her to suffer through that like it was it was a very sudden flip and I it came around so fast and I was like why are we actually even having this conversation like because it has ties and tie-ins later. But the, especially what if it the wasn't there? I know but if it wasn't there that wouldn't have affected my emotional reaction to any of the later stuff. I disagree. There's a scene later that when we get to it, I'll, I'll tie back. Okay. But I really, for me, that scene was heightened by this conversation with Kay and Grandma Belden. Okay. So at the end of the proposal scene too, I really loved some of the shots that they used. So Vin gets a call that, okay, he has to go. He doesn't get his week leave like he thought he was going to. So mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to go get my bag. I think I know what shot you're talking about. And, and I it's from the women's perspective. This. So like, well, first it starts... Where it is mom, dad, and Carol sitting there, and it's shot from behind their backs, and you see Vin run up the stairs, and you just hear him. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back down. No, no, no. He hasn't come down yet. The dad gets up to go get the car, get the car. to take him. Yeah, because he's going to drive him to the airfield. And then it's still just um, Kay and Carol just sitting there, and it's still behind them in the same shot. And then it does one cut to their faces, and... God, the expression on both of their faces. And the way that they cut. So I know some people are like very strict adherents to that 180 degree rule. But no, the way they completely flipped this, I loved. Because it was like you had this 
suspense with how we were going to see both of those characters react. And then it was immediate. Well, and then, and then it flips back though, so that you get to see him come down the stairs. Like I, that entire sequence was so powerful. It was, I got chills. It was amazing. That's, that's where that cinematography (laughs) did it, did it win? I can't remember if I said it won or not. Yeah. That's where, that is one of the scenes where like that win for cinematography. I'm like, yep. It was amazing. And end of that scene too, like the writing I thought was fantastic. I mean, the writing throughout the whole movie was good, but there were a couple snippets here, like the 85% on the test thing that kept coming up with Vin, where mm. apparently that's a really good score. But I was having some major all quiet on the Western front flashbacks with that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it was like, I mean, he's, he's okay, we know the theory of what we're doing, but this is the first time you're actually going to do something. What's actually going to happen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just everything around that scene. And then, of course, uh, Mr. Menever gets called to um, Dunkirk. What yeah. turns out is Dunkirk. He's basically, he's on part of the river patrol because they are fairly near the coast, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, him and his members of his river patrol are told, like, bring your boats to, I think it's Ramsey. Yes, it's, like, way on the southeast yeah. coast. Um and I, you know, you have various shots kind of showing the progress of the boats and like how far they had to go. And, and the scale, that's okay, the thing that was amazing. I want to talk about this scene a lot though, because I really loved it. Mm-hmm. So when you have all the boats lined up and you have like the um, big military boat there, who they make mm-hmm. the announcement that like basically the British Expeditionary Force is trapped at Dunkirk. We all have to go get them and kind of like, this is going to be dangerous for you if anyone wants to leave. You can go. And of course, no one, no one wants to leave. Uh, but there isn't, again, this is why I feel like this is different from a lot of war movies and different from the way it could have gone because there isn't anyone who stands up and isn't like, no, we'll do whatever we can for England or whatever. But they're all just silent, but no one leaves. Mm-hmm. And you can see on people's faces that they, they know what could happen. Like there's no illusion Mm-hmm. about what could happen. Like they know they're risking their lives, but they all decide to stay. Yeah. And it's just silent. No one says anything. And then the guy's like, okay, mm-hmm. go. But again, this scale and the panning shot across all of the faces on the boats, mm-hmm. it again is driving home that whole, like we are in this collectively. It is our But they do it without ownership. saying it. And I, I love it so much. It's good. I completely agree. Oh, so, I'm big on the... Yeah show me don't tell me as far as like movies go because like that's the whole beauty of a visual medium you don't have to say it you can just show me (laughs) but here we have to say it yes repeatedly usually (laughs) (laughs) because we mess it up the first time exactly but no that oh that was so good i loved that oh i also put like no swelling music which i like but yeah because I, they I will, didn't need it. I will straight up say, like, I was not a huge fan of the songs or the score in this movie, but I do appreciate that it wasn't like the massive, huge orchestra swelling music that's like, we're going to manipulate all of your emotions at this time. Like, I like that they kind of let the characters and the cinematography speak. Yeah. I thought that was nice. I completely agree. And I mean, you did get, there were some soundtrack places where I really liked the the soundtrack so one was when mr miniver does make it back from dunkirk Mm -hmm. and it was one of the couple times they didn't use it very often but they did have a little bit of a swell it wasn't Mm -hmm. like it wasn't grand though but it was it was nice and so i thought that was like a nice 
little flourish yeah. on top of yeah. that scene. But um, that's also I'm, I just skipped over. A no, that's fine. Major We're gonna, I was going to say um, before he comes back, there is this entire sequence, and this is actually the sequence that was reshot. Interesting. So yes. we know that a German pilot had been shot down. Yes. Well, and I, I like though that that's like, it's been a very minor background plot. Like they uh-huh. just say it kind of offhandedly and then it comes around to be like this huge scene. Like they Not don't. to toot my own horn, but as it. soon as they said it, I was like, okay, who's going to meet the soldier? Oh, I knew they were because I'd already done my background reading. But oh. Yeah. I, I watched Which, it without considering any background. I did background reading. You, I think you do that most of the time. I think I'm the one who does all the background <laughs> reading and research. But considering that I did do my background reading ahead of time, I don't read the plot, though, mm-hmm. on the Wikipedia article that I always look at. <laughs> um, so I'm still shocked that I like didn't know the thing that caught me off guard. Well, no, that scene was amazing because she's just there all melancholy, like, both of my son and my husband are away. Mm-hmm. And then she just She's sees walking these through her boots. garden. Yes. I, oh, the way this was shot and the oh, way they both great. acted it. The suspense they built up was yes, like she sees Rebecca the level. <laughs> she sees the boots and we are all like, oh, it's a pilot. Like we know who it is. Mm-hmm. She and, doesn't. I mean, she does know who it is. Like you can kind of tell that she like has an idea. I think. Yeah. But anyway, she get, creeps closer and he's like kind of unconscious and he's sitting and like his gun is, close to him and his hands like not on it but nearby it and mm-hmm. he's unconscious and the way she just kind of bends down and like slowly is like going for that gun to like reach and take it away from him and then he wakes up and neither of them move for a second and then he slowly grabs the gun himself like the fact it wasn't oh, a jerk but it was yes. this very slow movement into him holding her at gunpoint yeah. was the tension was insane. Oh my God. It was so good. Oh, it was so good. It really was. Um, but yeah, this whole sequence. So basically he takes her back into the house at gunpoint, the maid and both of the younger children are of course asleep upstairs, which mm-hmm. basically he's like, if you make a noise, I'll kill you. And she kind of is like, I'm not going to make a noise because my, the rest of my family's here. Like, yeah, I'll give you what you yeah, want, whatever you want, because I want them to be safe. Kind of like reassuring him. Yeah. Um, and of course he's, been shot down I don't, it, it was like several days at this point yeah he had been on the ground for a while yeah um and he's just and he's clearly very wounded mm-hmm. um and he just asks for like bread and then milk and then which meat. he spills down his front i'm like dude drink you can, it. <laughs> but you can see like just how desperate he is for like food and yeah. something to drink yeah. um so i thought that was very well acted i don't i didn't write down the name of the actor who played the pilot but um i thought he did an extremely good job uh, I, he was matching Greer Garson, which is a pretty tall order. It is. Well, and his monologue about the, we will, there will be more like me yeah. and we'll do this and this and this and this. And it, that is when it was very clear to me that, okay, this war is now home. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is the turning point where their safe little village, quote unquote safe is not. Yeah. Um, because he passes out at one point. She gets the gun. Kay gets the gun, calls the police. I loved her on the phone with the police too. Bring an ambulance. He's wounded. Like that part. That part where she's like, bring an ambulance. He's wounded. But she's so freaking calm in her voice. But you can just see the panic on her face. And the way way Greer Garson played fear Mm -hmm. in this movie and Walter Pigeon too, to a little bit of a lesser degree. He didn't have quite as many scenes. Um, I love the way they did it, how it was n- not screaming again. It wasn't like screaming. It wasn't crying. It was 
freezing. It was almost. quiet terror. Yes. I thought it was so realistic. Like mm-hmm. the idea that like something like that happens and then they would just kind of like go kind of rigid and you could see the fear in their eyes, but they're like, okay, what do I do? How do I get out of this? Like think, be calm. And I loved that. And I think the scene of her talking on the phone with the operator to call the police is like kind of quintessential that. Yes. And even at the end of that scene, when they're taking the guy, the police have Mm -hmm. arrived, the way that she has this thousand yard stare at the door, not looking at anybody leaving, like you can tell how scared she is and how traumatizing this whole. Mm -hmm. And she just wants them gone so that then she can like actually handle the emotions that she's feeling. Exactly. Um, But yeah. So the thing that they changed with that scene. Ooh, what? Um, in the original one, she did not slap him after the whole speech of like the, there will be more of us, like we're coming, your country isn't going to last kind of thing. She didn't slap him in the original one. Now she slaps him. Oh, I love that. I like the slap though, because it's the only, it's a microcosm of the whole thing. Well, but it's like, (laughs) it's also, it's the only action she actually takes. Like, I mean, other than like calling the police, but that is the only like physical thing Mm -hmm. that she really does. And I kind of liked that, like he has that speech and that pushes her to that point. Like, and it's not that she, she doesn't like point the gun at him. She doesn't shoot him. She just slaps him. It's literally a, how dare you, sir? Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was super fitting for the character and it kind of broke the tension. Yeah. Um, oh, very nicely. So really quickly, helmet Dantine is the German. He did a pilot. great job. He did. He really did. Yeah. So we immediately roll in off this into Mr. Miniver coming home. Like the youngest yes. son comes in and is like, who was that mommy? And she avoids telling him because she's like, you can see the inner workings. Oh yeah. Her whole reaction turning. afterwards where she just flops in that chair yeah. and she's like, kind of starts like, look, does she actually start to cry? Or she, she looks, doesn't. I think she looks like she's maybe about to. And then the younger son comes in. He's like, who was that? She's like, don't worry about it. It was nothing like, and then Mr. Miniver comes home. Yeah. And I, his this leads speeches. to an amazing scene between the two. But of them. again, I like how you had that incredible, two very kind of incredibly tense emotional scenes. Mm-hmm. Emotional for the viewer, really. I don't know about you, but I teared up <laughs> during both the Gun- Dunkirk and the. Uh, actually, I'm not sure I teared up during the German pilot, but I was like on the edge of my seat during that. Yeah, that was not a tear up emotion no, for me. Um, but they're very like kind of emotionally tense scenes, and then you immediately go into this kind of comedic scene where, of course, Mr. Miniver, like he's tired. He's been away for I think it's like five days or yeah, something. Probably has not slept. Yeah. Um, the boat looks like hell, and he's fine, thankfully. But she's like kind of like putting him to bed to rest. Um, in the, that classic uh, twin twin bed <laughs> that the married couples had in the forties up until I want to say it was like early 60s or something like before i that. love lucy probably yeah. <laughs> later seasons there is one giant bed exactly yeah um but uh she's kind of putting him to bed and he's like oh you know it's i'm so sorry that you had to sit here and be bored while like me and vin got to go out and like fight the war but like you know that's what you women do you like take care of and guard the home and she's just like mm-hmm yeah it no, was boring you're, you're right honey yeah it was so boring <laughs> but then Ada spoils it because they don't. Yeah, their uh, cook. Exactly. Ada, their cook. Because uh, uh, Mrs. Miniver is like, oh, like we'll get you some food. Yes. And, and he so, wants ham, but it's like, you gave it all to the, the German, German pilot. Yeah, to the German pilot. And he's like, <laughs> what? And she's like, 
Oh, oh well, I think we have some of this. Like that'll be bacon. good. Yeah. Some bacon, right, honey? Yeah. And she's just like letting it happen. He's like, "What German pilot?" But then she's like running off into the bathroom. It's like so, I'm gonna draw your bath. Yeah, she's fine. so blasé about it too. She's like, "Yes, the the German pilot that you were looking for." And he's like, "He was here." She's like, "Yes." She's like, "I took care of it." And he's like, "You took care of it." She's like, "Mm-hmm." I took his gun away. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "How?" And she's like, "I took his gun." Or you know, he says, "Did he have a gun?" And she's like, "Yeah." And he's like, well, then how'd you get him? She goes, I took his gun away. And called the police. Called it was police. amazing. It was so good. And of course, he's like, "Like, why didn't you tell me about yeah. this? Like, I I loved that. And again, it gets back to like kind of their very joking it's relationship amazing. with each other. And the way this scene rolls directly into um, Grant, well, I should say Lady Belden, Grandma Belden, yeah. whatever, being in the house Mr. Miniver is now like, oh, how are you going to handle Lady Belden? And she's basically like, the same way I handled my fear well, I think, of the I pilot. I think she's scared of Lady Belden. He's like, are you she scared is. of her? And she's like, yes. And he's like, but you handled the German pilot. like. And she's like, I'm going to handle it the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Take her gun Take away. Take her gun away, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I do have to say, I like the way it rolled into the Lady Belden scene, even if I wasn't a huge fan of the Lady Belden scene. Yeah. And so... Now we start getting into more serious arrows. Yeah, I think my next note is on this bomb shelter scene, which... Was fantastic. I just got chills thinking about that scene. Yeah, so they have all of family except Vin, who's off flying, Mm -hmm. in their bomb shelter in their backyard, reading a story to get the kids to They're reading Alice in Wonderland. Which... Let's talk about how appropriate it is to read a completely escapist book mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. And they're in that little shelter, and I, they're just, again, like, I love the, like, blasé attitude. And, I mean, you know it's covering up, like, real fear and yes. real terror. But, like, there's this a line earlier on that Carol says that mm-hmm. I think kind of exemplifies a lot of the tone of the movie where – Vin is like, how can you be joking at a time like this, talking about, you know, war on the horizon? And Carol goes, how can you lose your sense of humor at a time like this? Right. And I think that really kind of sums up a lot of the tone of the movie. Yeah. Um, because you have them talking about the air filter. Mm-hmm. And he's and like, if it turns green, yeah, he's close like, it. they have this now. This way we won't suffocate in here. And he's like, but if it's leaking gas, it'll turn green. And she's like, okay, so what do we do if it turns green? He's like, we close it. She's like, so what happens then? He goes, we suffocate. And they're both just kind of like, oh, yeah. (laughs) But once, so this is actually when we get the scene with um, Mr. Miniver smoking with upside down pipe again. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. But when they come back in, they're having this just really mundane conversation about Mm -hmm. all the stuff that's going on and like, oh, we're going to have the rose competition and, or flower yeah, that like, you know, life's going on. And I love But every that. time, because throughout the entire scene in the bomb shelter, you can hear like an air raid happening, but it's Far in the away. distance at first. It's in the distance. And every time they like kind of stop and listen. And then as the air raid, as the scene goes on, the air raid starts to get closer. And you can see their reactions be like a little bit more worried. And like their action, their reactions kind of grow as the bombs get closer until the air raid's mm-hmm. happening right on top of them. And that jump that they gave on the first close hit was just but perfect. They, but and what happens until the air raid is like actually on top of them is that like they like jump and then they go back to their conversation. Yep. But then it starts like moving the shelter and things falling down and mm-hmm. like the, the kids, kids are wake up and they're crying. each they're each like you know 
kind of like trying to shelter a kid. They're like holding their kids and crying. You see mm-hmm. the bomb shelter door going open. Walter Pigeon's trying to close it. Like, I'm glad they didn't lose the cat. I was worried he was going to escape Napoleon the cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, they make a comment about how the youngest son would like lose his mind. When did you notice when he was asleep, he had his hand around its tail? All I was thinking is that is a very well-trained cat. Yes. Which you can train cats. It's just hard. Known, known some pretty well-trained cats. Um, but that whole scene and the way it was shot and the way that they were lit within the bomb shelter was so good. And you got it a sense of the very cramped space of it. Mm-hmm. And just the way Garson and Pigeon like played off of each other. Like, Oh my God. Like it was, I, it was great. Watch that scene. People. Well, and if you the, don't watch this movie, watch that scene. That's, you should watch the whole movie, you but watch the whole movie. if you don't have time, that yeah. scene. But this is continuing a trend through from the whole movie for me with the lighting, though, mm-hmm. where w- one example that I loved was the first bedroom scene with the hat where they're going to bed. And the way they had it lit, every single mark that Kay hit on her way down to laying down, she was beautifully lit yeah. in this kind of dappled through the trees, through the window light mm-hmm. of what I presume is supposed to be the moon. Yeah. Um, and uh, just that attention to detail there was repeated over and over again. Mm-hmm. There was a scene between Carol every night and scene, Vincent. Every night scene was gorgeously lit, oh. and the actors were staged in like the best way to capture mm-hmm. it. So again, just a culmination of a whole long list of really. Yeah, great I think it's safe to choices. say we are both on board with like the cinematography yeah, Oscar, no question. <laughs> given you know the lighting and the way that the shots were set up and framed and because yeah. everything was also framed so like considering how, what a cramped space they must have been shooting in for that bomb shelter like yeah. the way that it, they filmed the space and them within the space was genius yeah I completely agree so I think there are three f- more scenes that I really want to talk through. Okay. One is the flower thing. One Again, is I the car scene. Yeah. Yes. And then finally the final church scene. Mm-hmm. But those, I think those are the, the three that I can think of. Awesome. So I know you don't like the flower scene. There I is something though I do scene. want to mention kind of before we head oh, into yeah. these last three scenes. And that is, um, so Carol and Ven do get married. Yes. They're coming back from their honeymoon in Scotland. Yeah. Um, and there is a bit of a conversation that Carol and Kay have where I think Vin gets called away again or something. And oh, Carol right. basically is like, I know he could die. And I've had to come like to terms with that and be happy of like every single moment I get to have with him. You've had to realize that too, haven't you? And basically Kay's like, yes. Like they, they basically have that conversation where they are both like, we realize that we may lose our son and husband. And like, it's absolutely horrifying and terrifying, but we have to keep living. Yeah. That was such a sweet scene as well. And that, that scene, when that happened, I was like, oh my God, I was loving this movie's subtlety, but now it's being so heavy handed because we all know that Vin's going to die. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) We're going to leave that for a half second. (laughs) So stay tuned because we need to talk about the flower competition first. Okay. Because that leads directly into the next scene where mm-hmm. lots of things happen. Yeah. Some bombs are dropped. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess Vin... <laughs> literally. Um, I guess I guess Vin didn't actually leave at that point. He was at the flower scene. Yeah. Right. And this is where we finally are seeing this kind of... We know that Lady Belden wants to win this grand prize. It means so much to her, Ian. So much. So much to her. But How dare somebody else enter? 
but the way that Kay is talking to her and the line that I loved, you have such a way of looking at people. That is what Lady Belden said to Kay. I know. And I'm like, uh, yeah, because Greer Garson gives good face. Exactly. Always. But ends up. Don't know if she's mentioned in Madonna's Vogue, but she should be. <laughs> we'll make an edited version with that in there. We'll just insert your words in that one snippet. <laughs> just me screaming at the top of my lungs. And Greer Garson. <laughs> but ultimately that. Kay is able to convince Lady Belden that to, she should give the prize. Yeah, because the judges, the of master. course, are going to give it to Lady Belden, which right. Vin kind of makes a bit of a funny remark about that, where she's like, he's like, are you worried you won't win? And she's like, I mean, the judges will be perfectly fair, but like my rose is better and stuff. And Vin's like, I don't know, have you seen the other rose? And she like admits that she looked at it when it came in and yeah. stuff. And he's like, you shouldn't be worried, though. Like, judges are going to make sure you win. Like, he's kind of like poking the bear a little bit. But I really loved seeing how Lady Belden lit up after that announcement. Because this is kind of a long line of, we first see this really curmudgeonly old woman at the very beginning when mm-hmm. Kay's coming back from London from her shopping trip. We get snippets of her softening first with the conversation with Kay about the engagement. And then at the station, having um, greeting Vin and Carol as they come back from mm-hmm. their honeymoon. And then now she's just like, okay, I'm part of this community. I don't give a damn whether or not yeah. I'm, you're moving above your station in so talking to me. So she announces Mr. Ballard as the winner. Yeah, it was so sweet. And the Miniver Rose wins. Mm-hmm. But then air raids happen. <laughs> and, but the thing that I loved is she invited everybody to her cellar for safety. Yeah. Which was like from how she was so opposed to going down there with all of her staff. And yeah. now it's like, no, everybody come and be safe yeah. in, in my home. So yeah, a lot, I, a lot's changed. I love that arc for her, mm-hmm. but, um, Mr. Ballard does die though in the he, raid. He does. We didn't see it, but we hear it. I honestly, I honestly, during the flower it, show, I, I hate to admit this during the flower show, I went and got water. So I missed <laughs> a little, I missed the air raid on the, flower show actually and then surmised by the ending scene that i had missed the air raid on the flowers i show and that mr ballard had died i don't think i'm misremembering when i say we didn't actually see the air raid on the flower show because it cuts to Kay and carol in the car going slowly home because remember it's nighttime now and they can't have the lights on their car on so they're just like Mm -hmm. creeping down yeah because vin obviously has to go to the airfield dad has to go do whatever the river patrol Mm -hmm. does patrol the river i assume Uh, Um, they're off doing but yeah but yeah so Kay and uh carol are in the car go i loved the way this was shot too they are going so slowly mm-hmm. down that road and like because they can barely see yeah but then you start seeing the planes the the, the first mm-hmm. plane that comes down on fire and explodes yes. into flames that's when both Kay and carol are like that could well, have carol been carol says it she's like that could be then and yeah Kay's like no it can't it can't like he it, it's not enough time for him to have gone to the airfield and like be up in the air like it can't be him and god the the look on both their faces and Carol's like kind of up against the glass and you can see the reflections of the flames from mm-hmm. the downed plane. Like ugh. beautifully shot and, and the acting in that well scene. Oh, so it rapidly devolves from there and yeah. you start getting more explosions. And I think this is where they got that special effect Oscar. Cause it was oh, yeah. really well done. I thought and not overdone. That's the yes, thing. Yes, yes. So you get a couple explosions, some planes well, crashing. Basically, they're trapped in the car on the road yeah. in the middle of an air raid. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you see more planes going down on fire. One of them like barely misses the car. Like, they get shot up. Yeah, they're strafed. Um, and that's when you have Kay like talking to Carol mm-hmm. and Carol's not saying it a starts word. To, it kind of starts to die down a little bit. And yeah, Carol's not talking. And that's I when like, I was like, oh, no. I was like, holy shit. I thought Vin was a goner. I was like, are we going to? Are we going to lose Carol? And the way she puts it is she can't feel anything. So my thought is like, I've, she's I've like, gotten a hit in my, the neck. Or my or thought was yeah. spine and mm-hmm. that she's going to be an invalid. But then you see kind of the blood on yep. her neck. And you're like, oh God. And you look up at the roof and you can see the hole. Yeah, they where... kind of, they well, they track kind of the shots and then they stop on the hole of the bullet that hit Carol. Oh, and then when Carol lays back, you see a point of light shining through the hole right in between her eyebrows. Yeah. Like, Oh, chills there as well. Yes. And, and both of them play it so well because Carol's clearly trying not to panic and worry Kay and Kay Mm -hmm. is clearly trying not to panic and worry Carol. And she's like, you're going to, you're going to be fine. We're going to get home. We're going to call you a doctor. Like you're going to be fine. And Carol's like, Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'll, I'm going to be fine. Like it doesn't hurt. I'm going to be fine. And we're all like, it doesn't hurt. That means you're not going to be fine. Exactly. I was, so there are no ambulances when Kay calls. Yeah. Well, she takes her back back to the house. house, which previously we'd seen how, bombed the house had gotten in the mm-hmm. earlier air raid so she's basically laying on the f- carol is laying on the floor of like the empty entryway entrance yeah. and Kay goes and tries to get an ambulance and of course there aren't any ambulances available right at that time and she's like just please send one as soon as you can mm-hmm. um again that like sounding very calm on the phone but you can see everything in her face um and of course she goes back to carol and meantime carol has died and I thought it was a beautiful death scene. It was so simple. Um, Teresa Wright did a phenomenal job. It was just like kind of like a quick intake of breath and then just slumped. she completely relaxes. Yeah. Um, and of course, Kay comes back, realizes Carol's dead. And, and is devastated. More yes. amazing lighting on her face yes, in this scene. Absolutely. Which, and then it cuts to, and I loved this too, uh, Kay and Glenn standing in the entryway. And they're basically like, you know that they're waiting for Vin. Mm-hmm. And you can, it's just. Well, Kay but getting up. into this scene, Clem comes down the stairs, opens up the curtains, and all of a sudden we see that Kay is just sitting on a bench in front of the front door. Yeah. Which that introduction was amazing. Kay did not sleep. Yeah. Like, no, she's, uh, just lying. she's just sitting there. Same clothes as the previous evening. Like, yes. Yeah, dead eyed towards. And then you hear, I think it's you hear a car arrive, right? Mm-hmm. Kay gets up and she walks over to Glenn and he just like, gra- like just kind of like calmly puts his arm around her. And I love the way that they would interact like that physically because it mm-hmm. happened multiple times where like they would be sitting next to each other and like something would happen and one of them would just like very like subtly reach for the other person's hand or arm just for like silent support. Yeah. And I really liked that. And then it wasn't the person who needed support reaching. It was always the person giving the support reaching so that like they very much were in tune with each other and had this like really great relationship. Loved Um, it. And I love the slow suspense they build up here. Because you can hear Ven walking up the path and it doesn't like the camera does not move. Yeah. But this is like the, again, the third or fourth time they've used this technique where it's just a very slow build and very simple, nothing happening. And that, you're just sitting there waiting yeah. and like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Vin already knows apparently and is like, where is she? 
Yeah, and I started crying again. Yeah, but this is where when Clem had come down the stairs, you see the door open, light on the wall, because there's a shot mm-hmm. looking up to the second floor. It reminded me a lot. There was a couple of shots in Gone with the Wind like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you get it in reverse when Vincent goes up the stairs, and that was just like the book ending of that was, mm-hmm. ugh. Yeah. So then we go to the final scene where we're back in the church. The church is completely bombed out. We didn't realize how much it was bombed out until everybody's processed in. I loved how that was introduced, though. So you see the supports on all of the structure because it's pretty evident it's been bombed. But all of a sudden you see that the entire front near the altar is just gone and the roof is gone. And they have this makeshift podium for the priest to be on. Like, oh, that introduction was great. Yeah. Um, and you parallel that earlier church scene where you had Vin and Carol kind of looking at each other from opposite ends of, mm-hmm. um, or from across the aisle from their different family pews. But you have, of course, Lady Belden comes in without Carol and you have Vin looking over to where Carol should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vin eventually goes and joins Lady, Belden, joins Lady which, Belden, which is so, so sweet. Yeah. That was so, so sweet. Um, but the vicar gives a speech and it's like basically about like how we've all lost people and like this basically like it's not just soldiers that we're losing like we're losing neighbors like they've lost one of the choir boys mm-hmm. they point out um they've lost mr ballard and then they talk about losing carol and they're like you know we we're losing our friends our neighbors our family it's our war yeah and then it's kind of the idea that you know world war Two. Because I would say, you know, World War One. obviously, if you lived on the continent, if you were in, like, Germany or Belgium or France, like, obviously then the war was, you know, home. Like, it, it yes. was around you. Everyone was, like, citizens were physically, like, impacted by the war. If you were in the U.S. or you were in the U.K., not so much. Like, there were a couple yeah. blimp raids in the U.K., but, like, <laughs> it's yeah. super interesting to read about. Um but, like, there, it wasn't anything like it was in World War II, especially for the UK, where, like, obviously, like, you have the Blitz happening and they're getting bombed. So right. it's the idea that they're, like, it is home front, it is our war, it is everyone's war. Mm-hmm. And that speech was also why it didn't feel quite as anti-war, because it was, it, it almost felt, especially when they ended on the hymn Onward Christian Soldiers, yeah. it felt very much of a, like, let's glorify this sacrifice and mm-hmm. it will be tough, but we will get through it. Yeah. So I, I don't know, that scene kind of like shifted it a little bit for me because when you had the death of Carol, that felt very like, this is needless. Why are we doing it? But it, I don't know. It made sense to me though, in the historical context of World War II, because again, up until this point, we've seen a couple war movies or movies that I wouldn't call Cavalcade a war movie, but it has war in it. Yeah. But it's always World War One, And the way I think... A lot of people in at the time, like in the contemporary time period, and I would say even probably now, felt or feel about World War One is different from how they felt or feel about World War Two. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think they're just very different in like context, how they started, what was going on, who they impacted, like you know. So I think it's not like that difference isn't surprising to me, and I was actually surprised by the like tragic nature of mrs miniver and was a little surprised that it didn't lean more into the like we've all made sacrifices but this is what we have to do kind of thing that it Mm -hmm. actually 
it ends on a we've all made sacrifices and we'll have to make sacrifices and but we'll get through this but it shows you what the sacrifice is which i think is very different like it shows you like this is the extent of this sacrifice like this is what's going to happen these are the types of heartbreak that are going to happen and Mm -hmm. like we're just gonna have to weather it yeah i agree cool but all in all, I really liked it. I don't know why they Same. ended on pomp and circumstance at the very end. I mean... It felt weird to me. But that could be just because we now associate that with, like, graduation. Oh. True. <laughs> so maybe huh. that's just my lens made it weird. But, yeah. Anyway, I, I really enjoyed Mrs. Miniver. I went into it yeah. thinking I was not going to. Every time we have to watch a war movie, you're like, great. Which, I mean, we've watched a lot, so I understand. Well, but. I just, it's not a subject matter that I find particularly engaging. But because of the way this film focused on, like, the home front and very much yes. the human part of it. It is a very different Im- focus, I think. Um, so, I, yeah. I enjoyed it. Cool. So ranking? So I struggled and am still kind of struggling with it because I am debating whether I should put it before or after Wings. <laughs> What's Wings for you? Uh, wings is number five for me. Okay. So you're trying to decide if this is new number five or number six. Correct. And I'm leaning towards before Wings. Okay. And I think it really comes down to... I think it was prettier. I think it had a heavier gut punch to it. Mm -hmm. Like overall, I felt it was more effective. And again, that could, I'm comparing a silent film to a not silent film. I find, (laughs) I have found putting stuff, trying to figure where stuff ends, ends up in relationship to wigs is very tough because it is so different from the other movies. Yeah. But again, that would for me put it just after it happened one night, which this was good but it happened one night it has a special place in my heart. So oh, yes, it has a special place in everyone's heart. Um, so I actually struggled with whether or not this went before or after how green was my Valley. So and that's your number. How green is my Valley is my number five. Oh, so we're yeah. like, in the yeah. Same so we, that's interesting that we kind of put it in relatively similar areas of our list. Um, so I ended up putting it after at okay. number six and that's before um, what film? Before Grand Hotel, but after okay. How Green Was My Valley. Um, for me, it came down to um, kind of like the sum of the different parts of each movie that I liked. Okay. So I thought they both had amazing cinematography. I thought How Green Was My Valley cinematography was more consistently good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Mrs. Miniver had like several scenes where the like cinematography was like blowing me away but then it would it wasn't always at that level or not always close to that level i also really hated the music used in the soundtrack i loved the soundtrack and the music used <laughs> in how green was my valley and while i think walter pigeon and Greer garson and Teresa wright like blew me away in mrs miniver i didn't think the rest of the cast was as strong whereas mm-hmm. i thought the cast as a whole on how green was my valley was a little bit stronger mm-hmm. um and I, I don't know. I went a lot with like gut on this placement and I just, I, something about how green was my Valley, like really struck a chord with me. Um, but I definitely liked Mrs. Miniver and I would definitely recommend people watch it. For yeah. Sure. This is a, definitely a watch. Oh yeah. For us. Yeah. So cool. But I, I really enjoyed it. Yay. More than how green was my Valley. <laughs> I can't believe I hadn't seen this, honestly. I mean with. Cause it's Greer Garson. Exactly. And like. 
I'm really, I'm, my dad loves World War II movies. I'm shocked he did not show me this one. My dad loves World War II movies. He's also a big fan of Greg Garson. So I'm like shocked that I've not seen this. <laughs> well, now you have to go ask him why and yeah. watch it with him. <laughs> so, um, okay. So that is it for Mrs. Miniver. Um, if you want to chat with us more about this, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram. We are at best pictures pod on both. Um, or you can email us in at best at best pictures podcast at gmail.com. So yeah, see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.